0: Hey, I'm Ruben from Dub. Welcome to Connection Loop, our actionable podcast about building businesses with daily human connections. Connection Loop features long form interviews with fascinating people in sales, marketing, and beyond. Enjoy today's episode and learn more about Dub at dub.com. And we are live. Hey guys, it's Ruben from Dub. And I'm here with Tracy. And Tracy and I, I think we spent about Thirty minutes creating this agenda on in the captions and uh, there's there's going to be a lot of back and forth here. There's a lot of things that I want to learn from Tracy because she's an expert. She's a best-selling author. Um, she's a speaker. She's on the board of advisories for LinkedIn. Some some interesting initiative that they have going on. Um, but but most importantly, you know, she's a, a relationship builder. And uh, you know, so I, I'm kind of psyched to get into this now. Um, Tracy, I'd love to have you introduce yourself.
1: Hi, thanks, Ruben, for having me on today. Um, yeah, uh, my name's Tracy Enos, and um, I kind of fell into LinkedIn by accident, and I was laid off twice in four years. The first uh, first time I was a loan officer with National City Bank, and I held my real estate license. I was a real estate broker, state in Missouri, and uh, National City Bank was one of those banks that didn't get bailed out by the government. So PNC Mortgage came in, bought out National City Bank, and I lost my job. So it was kind of bad. Um, I actually had just filed for divorce the month prior to that. And when I lost my job, I had two little kids. I became a single mom and I couldn't find a job anywhere. At the time, I lived down in Branson, Missouri. My office was in the Kansas City area and I worked for my house. And uh, as a realtor, I couldn't make it either because living in Branson, it's primarily a second home market. And I had 18 months of inventory banks weren't giving out second home loans Mm. at that time. So it took me to almost a year, about nine months. And I was on unemployment. I was on food stamps and I finally found a job moving back up here to KC. And I worked for a real estate office and they were absolutely brilliant. They, they took the bull by the horns and um, they actually made it through the recession because not only were they um, became a master lister for Freddie Mac and Fannie Mae So we listed all the foreclosures in the city and it was great on the Kansas and the Missouri side, but they also created two more businesses out of it. They did what they call BPOs or broker price opinions. So they got paid to go out to these houses before they got listed to go and do inspections and things like that. And then she, her husband created a company where they would actually go in and do all the cleanup. They would change the locks out. They would mow the lawns. They would take out the trash all that kind of stuff. So she had three businesses in one. And so I became the managing (laughs) broker for her office. So it was exciting times. I was actually, you know, I couldn't find a job because I didn't have a book of business in Kansas city. So just because I had, you know, almost 10 years in, as in experience, I would have never survived with, if I didn't have find this position whatsoever. So
0: that's, that's really amazing. Thank you so much for sharing that, that, that means a lot, you know, for you to, to tell us about that that trial tribulation, you know, rise and fall. I mean, these are tough times, you know, and I think that just the fact that you can be really open and honest and and confident about it, and just say, look, here's here's what happened in my life: two times laid off, two times in four yeah. years, and you know that that's that's real stuff. So I, I want to, I'm in, I'm always inspired to hear stories like this, and you know, I want to learn something first and foremost sure. in this conversation, but I want to show you a couple of things that I've learned along the way with Dub and with other technology and kind of best practices. Um, should we start with the LinkedIn algorithm uh, mysticism? Should we start there?
1: <laughs> yeah. And I'm going to tell you what, even I can't crack it. <laughs> something. Um, a couple of years ago, man, it was easy to get, you know, virality in LinkedIn. And uh, well, no, no, not two years ago, more like, that's when I started really started changing the algorithm about two, three years ago. It was about more like four years ago. And uh, I remember it was February of 2015. And all I did was take a screenshot of, at the time there was a lot of uh, scammers and people with fake profiles would send mm. you connection requests. Yeah, And all I did was um, I took a screenshot of like the whole page of people, you could see like little people's pictures and squares. And I just highlighted them in red. And I just screenshotted that and posted it on LinkedIn and said, hey, beware, this is what fake profiles look like. Don't connect with these people. And within 24 hours, I had well over 2000 likes and had over 800 comments. It was amazing. And then what happened was I ended up with like over a thousand connection (laughs) requests. And it's like my LinkedIn blew up. It was awesome. And it was good content though. You know, I was sharing with people on how to, you know, not just use LinkedIn, but, you know, beware of, you know, what could happen if you start connecting with the wrong folks. And it took me 10 minutes to post that. And I ended up making five figures out of that just because I spent 10 minutes. Well, try doing that today.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Right. Not
1: that easy not that easy at all.
0: Well, what's so interesting about that is that sometimes I see those types of posts where it's someone that takes something that they're noticing on LinkedIn, like a type of message that they're receiving or a connection request message or you know, a post of some sort. I haven't seen the fake profile one in, in a little while, um, but they turn that and then they blur out or they kind of fudge out the name and then that's their post. And they say, hey, it's a, it's a call out. It's It's a public thing that sometimes it's really targeted towards one person. It says, hey, look at this person, blurry name. You know, they look at what they <laughs> sent me. So salesy, so weird. And and frankly, those posts, even though sometimes they're a little little aggressive, they're actually the most educational ones because you start to see what is the zeitgeist? How is this tool being used and frankly being misused? And yep. I think about this a lot from a sales perspective because, you know, my LinkedIn inbox is, and I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, just a regular dude, but my LinkedIn inbox is, it's slammed. I mean, there's dozens of messages in there, you know, every every couple of days for sure. And and the thing that I think about from that perspective is how can we evangelize and how can we access people like yourself, experts like yourself, to be able to, you know, get some zeitgeist and get some intelligence out there so that people can know how to use these very, very powerful platforms for the for, in the right way, for the right reasons, not to misuse them. So, so that they end up on some blurred post and, and get a call out. So, you know. <laughs> I've done that. <laughs> yeah, you know, that, that's real. And, and, I will, and I will say this, that one of the reasons why we were so passionate and we invested so much time and money into our LinkedIn extension was because we wanted to help people with their visual storytelling, with their trust building, you know, with their just general ability to make a connection, build a relationship. You know, you are an early adopter of Dub. You've been on Dub for now over a year. And you've seen some of the things, and I want to show you some of the updates. Um, but you know, we encourage people to go go grab the Dub Chrome extension, dub.com forward slash Chrome, and then that's going to get you integrated onto LinkedIn in five different places. So that's connection request, um, that is the messaging, that is the comments, that is Sales Navigator, and that's Recruiter. So those are our integrations into LinkedIn. So here are my questions on the LinkedIn algorithm. This very mystical, very mysterious, enigmatic algorithm, okay? Right. So question number one, and I don't expect the answers here because I don't know who truly knows them, but I'd love to get your take on them. And if there is someone that knows them, it is it is probably you. Um, you know, barring the, the group of engineers that actually code this stuff. So number one is you know can you put a link in a in a linkedin post is that going to ding you by putting your link in the caption is it recommended to put it in the comments down below i've i've seen it done both ways and i've seen people tell me both ways yes and no okay
1: <laughs> that's the easy answer so yes it is going to ding you if it t- if the link takes you outside of linkedin yes so linkedin obviously wants you to stay on their platform so if let's like, say if it's a link that is to an article that you've written which LinkedIn has kind of hidden those now with the new featured section in your profile. Um, It it took me, I was on an actual coaching call and I couldn't, my, my articles disappeared. I'm like, where the heck do they go? And I figured out by playing around in the platform a little bit where to find them. However, that being said, so an article might probably wouldn't ding you because it's just bringing you back into an article in LinkedIn Mm -hmm. or if you're sharing somebody else's stuff in LinkedIn, you're probably okay. But if you're sharing it to like, let's say, a YouTube video or to an article on your blog or to some other social media post that you have, yeah, you're going to probably take a hit for it, most definitely. So Mm. the best practice here is to tell everybody, hey, look, the link is in the first comment. Go check it out. You got to tell them where to go. And then at that point, um, from what I've seen and read from other experts out there that have probably really more research the algorithm than I have, is once you hit about, I think, 30 likes or comments, you could go back in and take that link and repost it back into the description, and you should be okay.
0: Oh, so you can kind of go after the fact and then do it.
1: Yeah, because if you're getting <laughs> a lot of comments, let's say, then that post is going to get lost. And people don't know how to get back to the beginning of you know that feed of comments. So that way you just go and put it right back in.
0: Okay. So that that's a really interesting thing. So the recommendation here is to not put external links specifically into LinkedIn captions. Keep those in the comments. If it is a LinkedIn asset, an article, a post, a video, something like this, a profile, that should be okay. Um, I believe and, so. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then you can actually go in after the fact and, and and then edit your caption and then add it once you realize that the thing is tipping a little bit. Like a lot right. of my posts, not, not a lot, a Good amount of my posts recently have been trending, and that and that's actually my my next question because I'll notice like just today I got a ping from LinkedIn that said your post on remote work, or your post is trending in the remote work um, hashtag or topic or right. whatever it is, and I, I don't know what that means. I, you know, sometimes I'll look at those posts and I don't I don't see an insane amount of engagement on those, but for some reason it's telling me that. So what does that mean? What does trending mean on that means
1: trending in your network not necessarily the outside network so yeah i've gotten those two i've got some clients i've gotten those two like i had a client that he was trending in leadership hashtag leadership got it and he only got like 19 likes on yeah you know but he hit over a thousand views so i guess that's what linkedin considers trending so but it's trending within your own network
0: okay that makes sense to me um, the next piece that I have is video length. so we've we've experimented with our podcast, putting the full ten minute video on LinkedIn. We've done that. and And then we said, ah, is this is this too much? Will someone actually watch a ten minute video on LinkedIn? I mean, people are busy. you know So then we kind of moved away from that and we just started doing like these sixty second videos with a little scroll bar that kind of lets the user know when the video is almost done or or just done basically. So that's kind of an after, like a post-production thing that we do. But what is the optimal length of a video on LinkedIn?
1: The optimal length is under three minutes.
0: Okay, got Um,
1: it. And and you have to understand too that the video does not have sound automatically. Somebody actually has to push to get the sound. So if you add an SRT file to it, Mm. Then you might get somebody that will actually watch your video and they'll read the captions as opposed to listening to it. So you kinda wanna capture all three types of folks. You'll get the ones who will pause the video and they won't watch it, but they'll read your description. Then you get the people that'll watch it without sound as long as you have an SRT file, and then you'll get the people who actually click on the sound.
0: Got it, and that that's consistent with our, with our thinking as well because what we do is we take all of our videos and then we, we use a service called Rev.com, and I do we, as well. Yeah, and we like that. And you know, they have two options over there. They have the the human uh, transcribed, and then they have the automated, so which, which is machine learning, artificial intelligence. Both are decent. They're not perfect. You know, the the machine learning automated version. I think is it is it ten cents a minute? I don't want to. It's mess that now
1: twenty five cents a minute. Twenty five yeah. cents a minute. I know that there was a lot of
0: a lot of. Um, back and forth on how their pay rates were unfair and i remember a tweet that i put out someone had mentioned hey why are you promoting this service they don't pay the writers well enough i remember seeing that and then saying oh well i mean i'm just putting my credit card in but you know let's i want to support that i want to support writers so i'm actually kind of glad that they bumped that amount up so that there's there are those two price points and then there's a there's a hack actually that we learned that we use sometimes which is if you upload a video onto youtube and then give it a couple of minutes, five, 10 minutes. That's going to generate the captions and an SRT file as well. And then you could, of course, go through their platform and you can click um, edit and then you can edit each and every line. They always mistype dub every single I've never <laughs> seen dub type the correct way right. by, by, by any automated transcriber. It's always dub, <laughs> all lowercase. Um, sometimes it's fub, fub. So. <laughs> I really, whenever I say it, I really try to announce it. Like, come on, machine on the other end. Let's get this right. But it never does. Uh, So yeah, YouTube can generate your SRT file and then you can edit that, download that as an SRT file. Weirdest bug ever. You have to delete the last line of that document. So you have to open up the SRT file in a notepad on your Mac or your PC. You have to, and just go to notepad, go to text pad, make sure it's plain text. Open up that SRT that's been generated from LinkedIn, go to the last line and just delete it. <laughs> and I don't know if LinkedIn knows about this, but we kind of, it probably took me a couple hours to figure this one out. And that's that's how it can work. And then the other one that I always recommend is otter.ai. Otter is as in the sea animal, O T T A E R.ai. And you get
1: like, how many, 600 minutes free a month yes. or something like that? Yeah. Yes,
0: absolutely. And then the last one that I might recommend is actually Dub. So Dub now has. Transcriptions and it's not a free service because we have to work with partners to get this done. Um, we didn't build that in house, that would be crazy. Um, and uh, that also probably misspells dub, just just you know. <laughs> so, the dub, the dub, tra- the dub transcriber misspells dub. Okay. And uh, but, but the long story short, you can download the SRT file there. There is some pricing for that, there's some packages. So, uh, there's we a number should, of ways we should do,
1: do that some for. blooper videos on that.
0: Yeah. <laughs> you should, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Yeah, seriously. So, so anyways, uh, point of, of the story here, what we learned from you is that audio is off on LinkedIn. So yeah. what you wanna do is to get an SRT file, get your text, get your transcriptions, get your captions automatically on those videos, either burned in through Premiere or, or Adobe After Effects or some service, or just by uploading the SRT file, which we can generate through those services.
1: Yeah, and for folks like me who don't have the time or want to fuss with it, I'm worth more than probably $10 an hour. I'm probably going to go pay Rev to do it for me. Yes. So at a $1.25 a minute.
0: Yes. Especially if our videos are three minutes long for LinkedIn. Yeah, exactly. Great. Um, so that's cool. Okay. So my next question is over mentioning. All right. Over mentioning. So over mentioning is this idea of asking for feedback, thanking people. We've been doing it a little bit lately and we're trying to do it in the most authentic possible way that we can. We're not just trying to, I mean, of course we want the engagement we want the viewability, of course we want that. You know. But we legitimately want to get people's feedback and just kind of start an organic conversation. So sometimes what we'll do is if we, if we notice that some people have, have liked or engaged with some of our previous posts on topic X that the next time we post topic X, We'll kind of mention those people and be like hey love to get your your thoughts on that so um, talk to me about over mentioning you know is mentioning good when is it bad you know captions comments
1: I love being at mentioned as long as I'm not in a sea of 20 or 30 people you know what I mean so um, I think if it's very authentic like you mentioned um, I think at mentions are good um, because it can improve engagement on your posts and Ultimately, when people see that you're mentioned, what's going to happen? They're probably going to go look at your profile, right? <laughs> Which is good stuff because there could be opportunity there, all right. Especially if you have um, LinkedIn's Business Premium or Sales Navigator, you can see everybody who's looked at your profile in the last ninety days. That's what I like about that. But it has been overused. In fact, I have a client. I'll love her to death, but her post a couple days ago was there was thirty people that she app mentioned. And I sent her a private message and I said, you need to keep this down to just a couple people. Um, and she didn't get a whole lot of engagement on the post either, even though she mentioned everybody. So it does annoy people and you do have an opportunity to shut those off. Mm. So, and people will do that, especially if you're at mentioning influencers like Gary Vaynerchuk or Damon Johns from the shark tank or something like that, do it politely. But don't add 20 or 30 other people into the same app mention with influencers because they're going to shut you off. Now, if you're, you know, if, if let's say you were on a podcast with somebody like a big podcast, all right, then go ahead and app mention that person along with the details that you want to mention in there. And hopefully they'll go in and engage with that post. And by them engaging with that post, their network gets notified as well, which could also bring opportunity to you as well, you know, because people get curious and they're gonna go look at who it is that posted this and they're gonna go look at your profile. That's really the goal of getting active in the newsfeed and getting engagement is because you want people to go land on your profile because your profile, if it is structured in a way that it's client focused, that you are likable, that you have expertise and authority and that there's the human side of you too, and it doesn't just scream resume, this is where opportunity starts to come in. And that's the whole goal. People think it's company pages, but it's really not. It's your profile. Treat it like a personal profile, like it's meant to be. Don't treat it like it's your company. Because people do business with people, they don't do business with companies.
0: That's so true. I mean, our our company page is it gets one one hundredth of the engagement of, <laughs> of let's just say my personal profile. I mean, it's it's sad. It's it's almost like LinkedIn is just saying no, we're not going to give you engagement on the company page. We want you to advertise. That's what of we course. want. Of course. Yeah. And we don't we don't advertise on LinkedIn. I don't know if that's a mistake, but you know those cost per clicks are insane, and we just we just decided to have an original content strategy as opposed to a heavy you know, cost per click, you know, uh, I think,
1: strategy. I think there's, there's, there's certain times that you would want to do, you know, advertising and not, not, ma- not necessarily maybe the text ads, but like a promoted or sponsored post in the newsfeed yeah. or something like that. You know, maybe you're driving somebody to a webinar or something mm, like that. Yeah. yeah. That might be, that might be all right to do. Um, yeah. uh, they also have ads where you can get into somebody's inbox in their uh, LinkedIn, those sponsored emails, you know? Then,
0: so. Yeah. And what do those look like? Do those? Would you recommend those? I, I've known I've known about those, um, but I've never done those.
1: You know, I've done it for a couple different clients, and what we're doing is driving them to local events. So we'll take their local network and the demographics locally, and then drive them to. Like with anything, you have to understand that you're wherever you're sending them, the call to action has to convert. So that could be you know a landing page or an event page or something like that. It's got to convert, right? Yeah. So. And so does your message. So you should, you know, you do have an opportunity in the ad platform to A B test.
0: And oh, so okay. and,
1: and that's nice too. But it can get expensive. It yeah. definitely can.
0: And what are what are some of the is that is that a cost per click basis for those ads?
1: It could be cost per impression, cost per click. It okay. could be website clicks. It could be it just there's a lot of different options in there. I'm not the ad expert in LinkedIn and I don't use it that often because I don't I don't teach it. I teach people how to use LinkedIn like you're using it. Getting personal with people, starting relationships, starting conversations.
0: Boom, that's it. Let's let's focus on that. You know, if there is a specific reason to use LinkedIn for advertisement, like a conversion, a conversion funnel of some sort, a webinar, right. a masterclass, a sign up, whatever it may be, then you know, a, a sales demo, a contact form, then I think it makes sense. Um, one of the things that I used to use a lot when I would was more, uh, much more active advertising on LinkedIn was the lead gen forms. And the reason why I love lead gen forms is because the individual's contact information is pre-populated into a form so that, that they don't have to type in first name, last name, email, company, phone. They don't have to do that. It's pre-populated. They just click one button. So if, if anyone is advertising on LinkedIn, check out the lead forms, uh, lead gen forms. The same thing applies to Facebook with lead gen forms. And then I think very recently, Google actually announced that an extension on Google Ads is lead gen forms that's an extension it's not the entire ad unit so
1: but that's if people's information is up to date what if they've changed companies that's correct email changes the phone number changes so on
0: we used to have lead gen forms on our facebook ads and we realized that 99.999 percent of those were just yahoos and gmails and aol's and Earthlinks and they just weren't valuable for us so we went through the process of saying you know what we don't we it's not worth it for us to have a pre-populated personal email that is probably outdated what we'd rather have is that they have to put in a business email and it's not pre-populated so our conversion rate dropped significantly because now the person has to type out an email but the quality of lead of the lead went up of went up so we we made that choice and i think that's just an important distinction uh, great so another question that I have is we talked about the length we talked about um, the mentions we talked about so so amount of words in a caption you know I know that there's a limit I don't remember what that is
1: 1300
0: 1300 so sometimes we hit that and we have to kind of mine down from it other times <laughs> yeah. we you know it's nice and short it's pithy and it's it's a block what what's your take on that
1: oh it's a little bit less too if you upload a video or a photo got it oh so that that takes a few characters out of that. Kind of like what Twitter's does To takes a little few out of your characters if you had photo or video in there. But um, my take on that is change up your posts. Sometimes put a, a video, sometimes put a, a eye-catching photo, sometimes just do text posts and maybe not, you don't have to use all 1300 characters, but if you do, it should be kind of like a, a short story mm-hmm. of some sort, it's gotta have like some sort of hook that you want somebody to click on the see more so that they read the rest of it, and then of course some sort of call to action, whether that's like or comment or um, private message me or you know whatever your call to action action is, drive them to a link that's in the first comment to schedule you know a call with you, whatever it is, whatever your goal is for generating um, you know leads and new business. Uh, but every post should not be all about business. People want to work with people that they perceive. Remember, this is social media. They don't know you yet. So it's all about perception, you know, and these people want to like you. People aren't going to do business with you if they don't like you, right? right? Mm. You yeah. know, so your posts should just not be about business. Your posts should also involve uh, maybe some personal stuff. Like maybe you took a, a Christmas picture with your family, You know, and you posted Merry Christmas instead of using a Merry Christmas graphic, showcase your family. And this is what I did this last Christmas. I put some, you know, some of our highlights of the year of my two my two boys, my two youngest boys and myself. And people like that because it's personal. They now can see the inside of who I kind of am. Or you could showcase company culture, highlight an employee or the photo with the happy birthday or the company picnic or something of that sort. Be, sh- you You, you want to show uh, versatile posts, different types of posts, and you want to have fun with it. People want to see interesting things. They want to see entertaining things. It's not always about black and white, boring business text. You know? And then nobody wants to see you promote yourself and your business <laughs> in every single post, right? So people want to understand that, you know, that you can potentially help them and that um, they trust you enough to even just get on the phone with you or send you a message, you know, to just even discover if you guys can do business together and collaborate.
0: And then how would you say that we can come up with a content calendar for topics? I mean, should we, I find it it's, it's difficult for me to, to always be mining and being creative and thinking about a social post. It's, it's, it's exhausting because you know, I'm trying to spend a lot of my time um, to innovate the technology that we're offering on Dub. So if I go onto this journey of what should I post today, it, 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 it's not very easy for me. Now, other people might flow really nicely on that, but what's your take on this?
1: It's not very easy for anybody. (laughs) So, um, I actually created a Google doc for my clients that has Uh over 49 different post ideas, posts and video ideas. So, And and I'm sure there's plenty more than that. That should get enough to get your your creative juices flowing. But I say once a month, sit down with you and your team and brainstorm topics and then have somebody put them into uh, like a scheduling tool like Buffer or Hootsuite. I really like Buffer a lot. The only time I don't use Buffer to push posts and I post manual um, post is my LinkedIn live videos or or, or posts that have photos in them because it tends to truncate the photos and I want the photos to be big and bold, Right. then I will manually go in. But if you have a content calendar that says, okay, go in and you manually post this at this time of the, the day, but you already know what it is because you already have it in a folder. Now, however you're, you know you guys want to organize that is up to you. Everybody has a different system for organizing their content.
0: I I have seen some scheduled posts, some scheduled video posts on LinkedIn and other social channels. And what I immediately noticed was that a lot of these platforms, so that they can schedule video, and because the APIs are closed for scheduling video posts, that the video appears in an external landing page, like a buffer landing page. And I have a little bit of concern about that because I know that LinkedIn – they don't want to send you to a page that's hosted by Buffer, and the same applies to Dub, by the way. Um, they want you to, to to view a video that's natively on the on the LinkedIn platform. So, you know, one of the things I'd love to see, you know, as just a general message to LinkedIn, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, is that I'd love to see a little bit more open API love, so that there yeah. can be schedule posts that are native video format. Now, I know. You know, running a video company, I know how intensive that is. I know how hard it is to take a file that's a hundred gigs, or I should say a hundred megs, and that get uploaded in a scheduled fashion. So I totally respect that. Maybe it's not it's not really feasible, but you know, maybe there's a world now where we can actually schedule that, and maybe it's something native. You know, LinkedIn, in my opinion, they should have scheduled posts directly native on on LinkedIn. They don't. I don't know why. I, I agree.
1: That. I agree because not everybody has the time to manually do this. And yeah. I found that sometimes even with a 50 meg file, it won't upload and yeah. you have to go and you have to compress the file in order for it to upload, which is, could take another hour. Right. It, it's time consuming. And then at that point, people don't have the time to do that and they just, then they don't post, you know? So, you know, and then it, I, I've learned in LinkedIn, if you're not consistent in the newsfeed, your um, engagement, or for even LinkedIn to open up the network for them to see your, you know, your content at all. If if you just post once a month, no one's going to see your stuff. You know, so if you abandon the cart because it takes too long to upload the video because something's going on internally with LinkedIn. People are going to abandon those activities because it takes too long and it's too time consuming. And I will tell you this for the, a lot of the folks that I work with, they don't have a designated marketing department to do that for them mm-hmm. on their behalf.
0: Yeah. You mentioned uh, a frequency, a requirement for frequency in, in LinkedIn posts. What is that number? How many posts should we do a day? I, I know it, yeah. I'm not looking for an exact number, but give us a little bit of insight here. I, I can't give you an exact f- number yeah i want to figure out if 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 i've been over posting you know i I post a lot and it's the method that i use i evangelize this a lot something that we kind of came up with it's called the waterfall method and it's basically taking long form content just like this here and then this piece of content getting cut into medium form and then short form both video and actually written content so this recording here might end up into 10 or 15 micro videos that then get posted on my LinkedIn account um, through a fantastic team that I have to support me um, over the course of a couple of weeks. So uh, give us your insight on what that looks like.
1: And for every business in every industry, it's going to be a little different because (laughs) if you're connecting with the right people in LinkedIn, whether that's a a prospect or referral partner or Joint venture folks, whatever. Um, those are the folks that are going to get notified first. Let's say, for example, your clientele are dentists. I can tell you that's one of the least active industries in LinkedIn. And if you're targeting dentists, no one's going to see your post. So you might have to post a little bit more, and you have to, you know, check out which times of the day are the dentists on there. So, for example, my clients. They're typically on LinkedIn and also depends on, on where your 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 network's at in what time zone are they in. So if you've got them all over the United States or all over the world, I like to adopt just an Eastern time zone because I know in the United States that 75% of the population lives in the Eastern time zone. So I will post.
0: Can you repeat that, please?
1: 75% of the population in the United States lives on the eastern time zone
0: mind blown (laughs) i did not know that
1: (laughs) i learned that a few years ago when i had a digital marketing agency before i was doing what i was doing now now that was a few years ago things may have changed a little bit i know california is pretty big i grew up there but if you think about it look at new york i mean the population is very large you know and then eastern time zone starts what ohio indiana Somewhere in there. So you got a lot of states over there. Think about the middle of the country, Wyoming, Montana, North Dakota, <laughs> South Dakota. Populations aren't very big, right? Wow. Oklahoma, Kansas. And then you got the West Coast, and California probably has the most of that as far as population concerned, maybe Arizona, right? You know, Nevada, your biggest population is Vegas. So as you can kind of see, that's where they say 75% of the population is there. So I adopt business time, uh, business postings like right before people get in the car to go to work, so like they're having their cof- their coffee. So post somewhere between six and seven o'clock in the morning, mm. maybe post around lunchtime when people are eating lunch and scrolling through their newsfeed on on their phone, and then right before they leave to get in the car to go home. Now I've I had a colleague of mine whose clientele did not were not anywhere you know, it didn't work for her at all. And so she worked with high level CEOs. They're not playing in LinkedIn during the work week, but when their weekend is over and the kids are in bed and they're relaxing for the evening, she posted on Sunday evenings. Mm. And that got the best engagement for her. So you all have, you just, it got to test and see, you know, what times of the week are best for you. I will tell you for me, No one's engaged with me on Mondays or Fridays. Um, Friday, everybody's thinking about the weekend Monday. They're mad because they got to go to work (laughs) thinking about their week. Right. Yeah. Uh, So my days are Tuesday, Wednesday or Thursday, but that's for me. And my best times are in the morning. If I try to post in the four in the afternoon, nobody's going to look at my stuff at all. Got it. You know, but that is the, the, but those aren't finite rules either. Right. So, Like right now with the COVID, um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? With this COVID crisis that we're in right now, a lot of the industries that were really not active in LinkedIn, what else are they doing right now? They're, They're at home. Their offices are closed. Guess what? They're playing in LinkedIn. Right. Right? Right. So I'm starting to see more engagement from industries that, Pretty much don't you know engage at all,
0: right? You know what i what I love about what I love about your vibe is that you really um, are giving a lot of valuable information here. You know, and and as an expert in this space, uh, as much as as an expert one can be in this space since it's ever evolving. You know, I really do appreciate that that you're that you're that you're putting it out there and you're giving a lot of this insight to people. The thing that it makes me realize is that if someone doesn't have the time to take on an entirely new job to go and master this, then they absolutely should not, and they should hire you. (laughs) (laughs) So you know, learning about these tactics is one thing, and understanding them is one thing, but we all know, you and I both know, since we're creators and we're putting stuff out there a lot, is that doing it and actually navigating those treacherous waters on a continual basis, um, of course, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursdays in the morning, mostly when we're posting, uh, you know, it, it does require a lot of of work and experimentation and disappointment and sometimes failure. And uh, so shout out to you. You know, I uh, just got, got some of your links here. And I just want people to know about you. So uh, once again, thank you for thank for you. doing this. Yeah. Uh, so let's let's get into a couple of other topics. I think that kind of exhausts um, LinkedIn. I definitely have some great takeaways. So Thank you. Uh, I want to jump into something that I'm kind of touching upon a little bit, and this is something that's slightly new for me as of the last, I'd say, 12 to 24 months, which is the idea of speaking. You know, how do we get speaking gigs? Okay. The world is not over. We will be at conferences and we will be speaking before we know it. Okay. So let's let's just have a, a some hope here, some positivity. Let's try to think ahead in the medium term future, not, not the immediate situation. So we understand that conferences are sh- all shut off right now. That makes sense. But you know, I've still started to invest um, now when I think most people are not necessarily doing this on actually sp- getting speaking gigs for later on in this year, when I finally will hopefully feel comfortable being on a airplane and going into a large audience of 25,000 people, which sounds absolutely absurd right now.
1: <laughs> I might think. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, and exactly. So I just I wanted to share my screen here, and I, I will be for audio listeners. I'll just be as 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 a kind of explanatory as, as possible here, just so it makes full sense. But what I'm going to show here is, um, you know, there's a little bit of self promotion here. This is I'm promoting the Dub platform here, but I just like to show one of the ways I use Dub. Okay, so this here is the folks over at Inbound. This is HubSpot's event that they that they host every year, and they have. Put me on some sort of a short list, which I don't know what that means. It's, it's, I didn't win a trophy here. They're just saying that it's basically a maybe. So, you know, I decided to kind of say, well, that's understandable. Who knows what's going on in their end? Who, you know, paid clients that they have that have, you know, sort of uh, primary spots. Who knows what the story is? Um, but I said, listen, I want to give my pitch on video marketing and I want to make it as educational as possible. So they sent me this note. And then what I did very quickly, this, took me probably 30 seconds is that I just clicked on the on the dub extension directly from Gmail and then just here at this very chair wearing the same exact jacket that I just I just did this probably an hour ago uh, I sent this out and I sent this to them and I thanked them and I said I support you guys and I love the fact that you guys are doing this and that you guys are being positive and optimistic and you guys are planning an event for a um, August of 2020 okay so you know end of the summer ish um, and then, of course, I got a response back very quickly, slightly generic, but still, it was it was a response and it was a touch point, you know, and it was human interaction. So it's it's a little bit of branding here. And then, of course, when they watch this video, then I don't think I did a great job of this. I, I could have done a better job of kind of crafting the calls to action. But what what I did was I put some personalization text here so that they know that this is not for for everyone. And then I probably falsely promoted uh, getting a free account to dub. That's probably not the best call to action. A better one would be, you know, visit, you know, watch this video, watch my masterclass, um, you know, do something that's, that's kind of a little bit relevant for, mm-hmm. for a speaking gig. So I, I could, technically I could go back and I could fix this in case they're forwarding this on and that when they do ultimately see this. Um, they will see a kind of a better link. But anyways, that's kind of a tip and trick that i that I have personally for getting speaking gigs because what is it doing is it's allowing me to to, in a very respectful, methodical way, digital way, safe way, allow me to get in front of them with my pitch, with my personality, and in a way that is not obtuse or you know obnoxious. You know, seeing this gif on my screen loop for three minutes is is obnoxious. But, but the, the video email itself is not, I would argue. <laughs> uh, so that's that's a little bit of a, a thing that I've been doing. You know, another thing that I might recommend is, you know, when you're in LinkedIn, getting the dub chrome extension and then a lot, you know, sending a video just like this, just directly through LinkedIn. So, you know, as mentioned before, we do have integrations across LinkedIn um, so that you can see um, the dub icon. Normally it appears right here. I think I'm not logged into my dub chrome extension. So when I do log in to this right here, if I log in, then what'll happen is that the Dub uh, icon will appear here and then I can send a video just like this one. This is someone on my team. Um, she'd sent me a message. I should, I should watch this soon.
1: I, I so, have a question for you. Yeah. Um, I noticed the Dub extension when sending a personal note, when you're conne- um, um, asking someone to connect with you in the invitation, as far as I am aware, that LinkedIn's terms of service specifically states that you cannot put links hmm. in your uh, invitation to connect with somebody. So have you found that people's um, accounts are getting suspended if LinkedIn catches up with them?
0: You know, what's interesting about that, I'm really glad that you brought that up because I noticed that LinkedIn's were uh, URLs were not allowed in connection requests on LinkedIn. In fact, if I ever tried to put one, it would just block me. And then all of a sudden, one magical day, I went back in, and I realized that it was not doing that anymore. So I don't know the, is, the, is the most honest answer here on on what the terms of service are, if that's allowed. But I will I will ask you this, that it's so easy for them algorithmically, just with a little bit of JavaScript, just like what they used to do, to just mm-hmm. block URLs. Oh, so, well, they,
1: they do. They do that. If you put it in in your uh, headline in your profile, they won't allow the www or the HTTPS. So you can't even do that. So you're right. Why wouldn't they do that in the invite? Yeah. In the personal note.
0: But but that's what I'm saying. They used to block that, and I, I've noticed that they don't block that anymore. So either now it's allowed, or. Someone fell asleep at the wheel.
1: <laughs> I Here's what I'll do. I have no problem testing the limits on my own account because that helps me when I work with clients or I do, you know, Q and a sessions or Facebook lives is to share with people these things. You know, here are the limits, here are the things that you can do and here's the things that you can't do or you shouldn't do. So I'll just, I think I'm about doing that. I'm thinking about putting a link in there and, with my personal invite and see how it goes.
0: Yeah, I I'm really curious. You know, if if that's um, we we don't want to break the terms of service. That's not our intention. We just were no. under the assumption that it's that it's cool. Um, tell you what, I have uh, I'm going to share my screen right here.
1: I actually think it's a great idea. I yeah.
0: yeah. Yeah. Well, here we go. So I'm going to just do something slightly interesting here because I would like to sacri- sacrifice myself here <laughs> instead of you having to do it. So one of the world's most interesting people, here we have uh, Richard Branson. He's uh, hopefully on, on a yacht somewhere in the, in the Atlantic. And,
1: um, he's uh, prob- he probably <laughs> already has the limit of 30,000 connections. You, I don't even know if you can send him a connection request.
0: Well, I don't know. Well, first of all, I need his email address.
1: Well, he set it up that way.
0: Okay. Oh, I see. Richard at (laughs) (laughs) virgin.com. I mean, that makes sense to me. You know, hi, Richard. Huge fan. Please be on my podcast. dub.com forward slash and this is my personalized podcast invite URL which I evangelize to everyone that they if you don't have a URL like this go to dub it's free get a calendar set up and then you can create a personalized video here and I'll show what this looks like in a minute okay so here's my personalized video request for a podcast with my integrated calendar and then I'm going to send this invitation and then hopefully I will get them on my podcast. Boom! There we go. So, so <laughs> it it didn't block me. Uh, nope. It did I just break the terms of service? I don't know. I don't know. So I'm very curious. I, about I,
1: I get them, but I noticed that your little icon I could you know upload a pre recorded or record a video when sending somebody an invitation.
0: Yes. Uh, yeah.
1: But I, I really like the idea though. Yeah. I you know because you. Somebody might improve your chances of getting somebody to actually accept that request to connect. Yes. Yeah. I like it. Yeah. Not a, you know, not, not necessarily a blatant, here's my product, here's my service, go buy it. Yeah. <laughs> that right. I see all the time. I get that all, especially from the, the folks out in India. Hey, we look, we have all these, you know, SEO and web services and go buy our stuff. Here's our link. That's <laughs> in the connection request.
0: Yeah. you like, know, my, No, no. Yeah. Yeah. No. Some of my brothers and sisters over there, they, they need some help on their, on their overall strat. <laughs> yes.
1: I, I commend them for doing it. I'm sure <laughs> they probably get some business out of it. I just don't roll that way.
0: <laughs> uh, no, you know, I put a, I put a, it's so funny that you should say that because I had a consultation with someone who is trying to do that strategy where it's just very salesy and it's very kind of forward with basically buyer stuff. And, and I put together a little video on this, and part of the waterfall method, of course, and then I po- put that very recently, I think it was two posts ago on my on my LinkedIn profile, and it was called just how to put value first. And the essence of it was figure out something that the other person wants to see, some problem that they're struggling with, and then in a visual way, capture that. You know, of course I was pitching Dub, so using the dub Chrome extension with the screen share, you know, you can, sh- I can, I can say, Hey, Tracy, look at, look at your new website. Look at the SEO on it. I want to show you something under the hood. You're not ranking as, as high as you could, or here's an opportunity. You know, if that's done in a way that's, that's respectful and authentic and, and not creepy and done in a, in a humble, very humble way, you know, people might, that actually might resonate with people, you know, and they might actually say, Well, you know what? You got me. That's interesting. Tell me how I could do a better job with my website or with my X, Y, and Z. So, but it just, you gotta you gotta be not lazy about that. It's, it's the difference between, co- you know, select text, copy, LinkedIn, paste, change first name, to I'm gonna spend five to 10 minutes on this individual, on their business, go look at their ecosystem, figure out what my solution is, and then figure out how I can assist them and then give them a visual story in, you know, less than two minutes. So it's obviously more of a time commitment, um, But it's so much worth it because doing 10 video messages like that, in my opinion, and based on the data that I've seen, will do much better than doing 100 or even 1,000 generic ones.
1: Yeah, I think these folks, are just fishing for the low-hanging fruit for somebody to go in and accept their request. And there's people that'll do it. They'll just accept everybody's invite, right? Yeah. And then that just gives them more opportunity to, I call it, vomit their stuff all over you. Without yes. even knowing if you need help or right. want help. Yes.
0: Question for you. Speaking of um, regurgitation, <laughs> um, what? Uh, I have a question on on LinkedIn, and I think I just lost it. Um, oh, gone. Poof. It'll it'll come back to me. All right. So we'll we'll come back to that. Um, I did want to. I, I,
1: I, did... I call that a part timers moment. <laughs> you're not quite a senior citizen yet'll
0: yeah. no. <laughs> back anyway, to me. <laughs>
1: you're a lot younger than I am but you know I call that part-time so.
0: <laughs> oh gosh all right so so this is this is a I'm gonna do a quick little screen share here and this is just my presentation of a booking page so you know we've seen the calendly acuity scheduler we've seen those booking pages mm-hmm. and we integrate with all of them and the reason why we promote people to create a video booking page is because you can give your pitch in it. You can say, in this case, I've got a little a little pitch here about the Dub podcast, okay? And then people can read about it, they can click on a link, they can see our past episodes, they can learn about it, and then say, oh, okay, that's cool, I, I understand. So I can book a time with Ruben, I can check out the previous episodes. Oh wow, they've got a YouTube channel, I can check that out. But then most importantly, I can get my call to action. I can get them to book a time in my calendar. So this booking calendar has saved me hundreds of hours, uh, hundreds of hours, um, hundreds of hours, probably a month, <laughs> because I don't have to follow up with people. I don't have to say, hey, when are you available? Tuesday, three o'clock, is that Pacific time? Is that Eastern time? I don't need to do that. They can just book them. The calendar changes the, the time based on where they're located. Um, huge, huge fan of this. Um, so please please grab, everyone that's listening, please grab a calendar page on Dub and uh, streamline your life.
1: Can I ask you a question? Please. So because I'm going to start using this strategy or using Dub and on a consistent basis, uh, let's say I want to re-engage my first degree network.
0: Nice.
1: Especially during the COVID crisis right now, right? And the last promotion that I did was not very effective. Yes. Did I get some clients out of it? Yes. But it did not... A convert as well as I thought it would. And so I thought, okay, I'm going to shut this off. I only sent about 800 messages. And so I shut it off. I'm like, I've got to rethink this. And that's when I was thinking, you know what? I got to start using Dub. I've got this extension. I've never used it. So I thought about actually reintroducing myself in a video with the Dub page and set up just like you have below, but leave, leaving it like that. You know, I might have a, a small call to action, but nothing. I'm not going to try and, you know, I'm not going for the jugular, you know, and say, you know, use my stuff. You need a profile makeover, blah, blah, blah. I just want to reintroduce myself, send out about a couple hundred messages a day to my key connections and start there. What do you think?
0: That's a great question. And I'm going to get into that. I've got a really concise answer for you. Okay. Because it's something that we use on a daily basis. So, uh, but first, what I want to do is I want to, and I and I have not, I will not forget that. But what I first want to do is ask the question that I previously forgot because <laughs> I just remembered it. Okay. <laughs> so that I don't forget that, but I promise I won't forget yours because I have a page right up here that's going to remind me of that. So my question is, you know, we're trying to grow our followings on LinkedIn. We're trying to get subscribers, followers, whatever you call them, and you mentioned that a lot of people just broadcast a message and a lot of people accept all messages on LinkedIn, right? So I know that there's this nuance on LinkedIn where you can change the connect with to follow button. Yes. And a number of people have said, don't mess with the follow button until you've hit, 30,000 someone mm-hmm. said, I, I've heard yeah. that's the number. 30,000. Okay, so I'd love to learn about that. And I'd lo- love to learn, should we ever put the follow button? Should we always keep the connect button? Does it happen automatically? And then is there any repercussion of just accepting everyone? Because our goal, I mean, when someone subscribes to our YouTube channel, we don't accept or reject them. I mean, this is, I'm not a huge fan of how LinkedIn set this up because the whole idea of a follower and a connection, they're so m- kind of weirdly muddled together. Um, but does it make sense if we're trying to grow our subscribership, our following, does it make sense just to accept everyone? Or do we kind of discriminate based on people that are too salesy? Like, what is that, what
1: What is that look So. like? In 2012, when I had 60 connections and I grew from 60 connections to 1,200 connections in six months, I got myself into a lot of trouble. This was back when there was a certain, I I can't even remember the name of it, but it was like one of these LinkedIn experts. In fact, it was Lewis (laughs) Howes. I bought his $97 product and you could go to this website and you can export a list of people on LinkedIn. It was everybody from all over the world. And you were not supposed to do the, I don't know this person. Well, I got myself suspended from LinkedIn for a week. And that's back when, when LinkedIn actually emailed you. Today, you just find out because you get the 404 screen, right? You've been suspended. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) And so, um, you know, I got a slap on the wrist, right? And so, um, so I connected with anybody and everybody, and I still, so, I still see people doing that today. But now, you know, I don't have as many connections as some of my, um, you know, LinkedIn expert colleagues out there because now I'm a little bit more particular. Only because I know that there's certain people that I will connect with that are either going to be A, good referral partners, B, good prospects, or C, people that have a very vast network that would refer new clients to me. Got so it. And I don't mean referral partners. I mean, joint venture partners. That's what I meant to say. So I'm very selective. And there's certain industries that I just won't work with, like engineers. I don't know how I can help an engineer. I just really, unless it's a coach to engineers, who's also an engineer. And I've worked with a couple of those. And I just don't Got speak it. their language personally.
0: Got it. Got it. You
1: no, know? so I'm selective about that. And so I only have, you know, almost 15,000 connections. So I'm selective. So when you connect with somebody, you have the opportunity to send them personal message messages. Yes. When somebody follows you, they can only see your public content in the newsfeed. You cannot personally send them a message unless you're using an in-mail. But you only get in-mails if you have a premium subscription service with LinkedIn.
0: Got it. That's right.
1: why I like that. So that's why I, I have
0: that option. Yeah, and I have I have a premium subscription. I, I think I think it's worth it. I think it's worth it. Um, this is just an example of something that I learned on LinkedIn right here. This is in my what is it connections, and then right here no pending invitations. So if you're inviting a lot of people, that will start to populate in this section. Yes. And and then you can manage it, and then. You you gotta take some of those out. I mean, if no one's, if some people, if there's a group of people that have not accepted your invitation in weeks now, it's probably not gonna happen. It's better if you just remove that. I think, and I'd love to get your take on this, but I think that there's there's some algorithm that says if this person has too many open pending invitations and people aren't accepting them, that they're full of crap and that they're just scamming and kind of hacking the system and just trying to get followers just by inviting random people basically without really knowing them. You know, I think it's a little uh, one last thing I'll say, real quick, before before you get your bit, get uh, give me your bit on this, is that I think that it's a little dishonest on LinkedIn's part that they put the "I don't know this person" because mm-hmm. when they when they and when they place that button there, I I don't know this person. They did that in the old world, in my opinion. They did that in the we shake hands, we give business cards, we meet people at conferences. And in the new world, we can know one another through content. We can see each other's content, and then I know of that person. So I wish that they just kind of updated their bit on that a little bit, because I don't—I don't think it's legitimate for 2020 in this in this climate for sure.
1: And personally, I think it's used by people who don't want you to see you succeed, mm. or they're jealous, or whatever. It, because if you only—if you get, I think only a handful of those. Five of those or so, LinkedIn's going to suspend you, and LinkedIn keeps track of all these things. It, you do it too often, LinkedIn will suspend you permanently, and you won't even be able to get another LinkedIn account ever. Wow, I've seen, I've seen it happen. So I, I, you're right. It was the old world strategy in the beginning, and you're right. I mean, I know people through. I, I'm an info learner. I love buying products and digital courses and i'm on a ton of people's newsletters and things like that so yeah i may want to go connect with those folks so if all those folks around said i don't know this person because i've met them virtually through you know whether it's their youtube channel their blog their facebook lives their newsletters you know i i just i just think it's evil (laughs) as a matter of fact i really do I don't think people are using it or saying that I don't know um, because I I don't even know how to explain it right now. I just, I think it's, it should be, it was one of the features that should be taken away. However, in the, um, you manage your sent invitations, LinkedIn's made some, and I've noticed that you had an opportunity. So if you were one of those folks who did like, at some point like 100 invites a day, you could go with withdraw those invitations in bulk oh, you're yes. now starting to do away with that and you're going to have to withdraw invitations one person at a time. and it's it's very challenging and I think the reason why they're doing that is so people will stop sending mass invitations to folks because it's right. time consuming. To go in there and withdraw those and there is a threshold you really need to keep your account healthy so you need to stay under 1600 outstanding invitations so best practice here is if somebody hasn't connected with you in three to four weeks go remove that um, invitation or withdraw it and then LinkedIn says hey look it's going to be three more weeks before you can re-invite this person to connect with you again.
0: At which point, they'll just ignore you once again.
1: <laughs> <laughs> probably, right.
0: <laughs> Got it. Well, that's really that's really valuable. I learned from that. Uh, that's awesome. I, I see in my LinkedIn account, I have 20,000 contacts. And I'm trying to figure out what that means. Let me just share my screen. So,
1: Did you upload um, any CSV files initially? To that's probably folks?
0: what that is. Mm-hmm. is, is, is so if,
1: this... if it came from your emails or you uploaded a CSV list, that's probably where those came from.
0: Is this is is this a bad practice here? Should I clean this out? I don't know. What uh, I click
1: this. on that. I'm not even sure you can withdraw those any longer.
0: Okay, got it. You know what's amazing is that LinkedIn is so particular about the way we communicate, um, the methods in which we communicate. But wow, they are very aggressive in inviting people. I re- I'm I know this for fact. But when I imported leads into Google, that those people got an, if they're not on LinkedIn, they got an invitation to join LinkedIn. Hey, Ruben Dua is on LinkedIn and would love to invite you to connect with him. Click here to join LinkedIn. And you know, a huge shout out to Reed Hoffman and to the whole growth hacking team at LinkedIn because it's honestly one of the most aggressive growth hacking, and I don't use that term very often, but it's the mo- one of the most growth hacking strategies that I've ever seen on the internet their ability and the fact that they used to invite people that uh, uh were imported into contacts it was you still can. yeah so and and i don't know if they ask for our permission for that i think they just do it and it nope. happens and that's precisely why linkedin is you know at least in the early early beginnings why it grew as fast as <laughs> as it did um, but it is one of the classic growth growth hack stories that along with uh, yelp in the scraping of of google maps and some other ones there's some really interesting even reddit was as a crazy growth hack story so a little side note there
1: <laughs> so it looks like here you can only um message or invite you can't withdraw from that screen
2: okay so, got it
1: but linkedin gives you um you can upload uh contacts or get them from your email service like yahoo hotmail outlook and Gmail and I think there's another one or you can upload a CSV file and you get 10,000 of those lifetime that you can send out there. So Got it. Um, the only problem with that I see and they still do it it doesn't allow you to send a personalized notes along with those. It's just a blanket invite. So Got it. If, if you really wanted to connect with somebody on a personal level and you really want to make sure that they accept your connection request don't upload them go in and actually send one out personally to them
0: got it that makes sense cool i'm going to pivot the convo a little bit here and i'm going to address the question that you had just asked previously which was how do we get into an outbound effort of kind of re-nurturing our existing contacts on linkedin or or beyond uh, using dub and specifically using the dub linkedin integration so here's kind of a strategy that i might recommend so here we have a, a page of Dub video page. You know, once again, these are instantly generated. You know, phone through the, the mobile app, Chrome extension, screen, desktop recorder, screen, or a webcam. So these are, are screen videos or you know life videos, if you will. And uh, what we're seeing here is actually the playlist feature. So this playlist feature, what we're going to do is we're going to have a primary personalized video. This video could be a one-to-one video. You know. Hey Tracy, how's it going? This is Ruben from Dub. Okay, but then the second video is a is an evergreen video. It's a longer form, multi minute video that's explanatory. It's got social proof. It's got testimonials. It's got good stuff in it. Good meaty stuff in it. This could be a YouTube video. It could be a commercial that we, we paid for. Something that we you know uh, produced. Something that we bought on Fiverr. Who knows? It could be a webinar. It could be a masterclass. It doesn't really matter. Uh, But then, of course, what we have is our high value calls to action Four might be too many. But, um, you know, I think it's good to have at least at least two where someone can do their own research. You know, what I like to say is that this is a choose your own adventure and that end user, they should be able to to learn about you and to learn about your strategy. You know, they want to check out your new website. You know, you've migrated from WordPress and you're now getting into the cloud. And Mm -hmm. we want to see what that new website looks like. We want to see your LinkedIn profile. We want to watch a specific video that you put on LinkedIn. We want to, we want to see that post that you did from years ago where you, you brought some light to a certain topic. You know, we want to see some of those. So let's link out to those. But then specifically uh, to get that calendar booking integration so that they can book a time now. Now, now this is not a call to action for everyone. You know, we, we, in our agenda, we have master classes, We have Facebook groups. You know, we have um, paid for Facebook groups. So I think that one of these calls to action could be uh, for that person to go into one of those assets to watch that masterclass. You know, that masterclass could be a dub video, frankly, they can click on the button and then on that dub video, we can have a form and collect their information to truly get a hand raise, or it could be to link out to that Facebook group. But, you know, let's start to create a video funnel, you know, based on personalized high value content in sort of a choose-your-own-adventure fashion so that the person can ultimately pick what's best for them in the channel and the format and the device, what's best for them, but then ultimately um, connect with you and, and be part of your, your business.
1: So I like the strategy. However, with a large network that I have, doing one-to-one videos would be so time-consuming.
2: Nice. So, um, and,
1: and I honestly do agree that personalization will probably net better results. Yes. But uh, let's say I'm on a time crunch and yes. I'm kind of just we're, we're just trying to get the people that want to raise their hand right now. So I'm not going to do personalized. Let's say I just kind of want to do a generic type video in the beginning. What do you suggest? Got it.
0: That's a great question. Um, I'm going to prepare something on my screen here. But first, while I'm doing that, I'm going to ask you a question. There's been now three times that someone has asked me to purchase a, a bot for LinkedIn. And I don't remember the names right now. And even if I did, I don't think I'd mention them right here. (laughs) What is your take on people using these bots on LinkedIn, which will do what you just said, which is automatically sending? It's not going to be a personalized video for each person unless there's an AI robot somewhere there. And Dub does not offer that. Um, But what is your take on bots on LinkedIn?
1: I have used them, um, but I use them sparingly. Um, The only time I use them is if I am sending out communication to my first connections and I can manually go in and copy and paste and personalize every message. And I'm really quick at it. So I could do about a hundred in an hour. Right. Um, And then sending out connection requests. If I'm doing it more on a mass scale, that is the only time everything else is manual. Uh, When somebody connects, I know I go into my manage tab. I go into my connections and I see who's connected with me tells me, you know hours or days ago when they connected and i could send them a message right then and there you know and everything that i do is templatized anyway unless they've sent me a message right so it depends on what it was that i sent them a lot of times i already know what the response is or similar to responses are going to be um but like for example i want to grow you know this facebook group this free facebook group because linkedin group doesn't have the functionality that facebook groups do and I can't have a sense mm-hmm. of community no. in a LinkedIn group like I can in a Facebook group. No, we,
0: we abandoned it. We had a Facebook group. We abandoned it.
1: You mean a LinkedIn group?
0: I'm sorry. We had a LinkedIn group and yeah. we abandoned it. We love yeah. our Facebook group. Sorry.
1: Yeah. And, and because I don't, I want to be able to help more people. And especially now, with, I see a lot of companies are going to end up having more remote workers or go remote themselves. You know, it's going to be our new world. So what better way is to teach people how to be remote with LinkedIn, right? And so the strategies that we use, well, that's hard to do one-to-one. So I want to try and drive as many people over to that group as possible and then help them, you know, with some great value. And then from Facebook, then I can send them over once I've, you know, I think I've built up that value then drive them to a paid program that we have or a paid Facebook group where they can dive, I can dive deep into really how to use LinkedIn and how to use multi-channel marketing to grow their businesses. But I cannot do that sending one message at a time manually. This is why I use automation, but I use it very sparingly.
0: Got it. So let's talk about personalization tokens. Very techie thing. But this is kind of an interesting thing here, which I'm going to share. Uh, okay, so here we have we well, here we have a video on Dub, and on this video we have this is a, a video that I did. This let's call this an evergreen video. Okay. And what I can do is if I click the share and send button, I can add an individual email address right here, and then I can also add a personalization text right here. Okay. Now, copy for email, this is something that I would use to paste into Gmail, and there's some other options here like sending directly from Gmail or social posting or embedding on a web page and you know, you can use some of these features, but let's talk about that LinkedIn evergreen strategy right now with some personalization, okay? So on the little drop-down button here, we're going to get the copy URL, okay? Once we have that URL, there's there's going to be two things that are happening here, okay? I'm going to do it with with a contact and I'm going to do it without a contact. so this in this first example we have hopefully you can see the screen here it's a little bit small it's a little small it's a little small so you you'll probably get the idea though so you know in this in this spreadsheet here i have a url okay and uh, let me just go ahead and increase the size maybe that'll help maybe go 200 percent i'm feeling ambitious i'm gonna go 400 percent on the zoom (laughs) Oh, is there a max of 200% on Google spreadsheets? Is that what just happened? Oh, I've hit the limit, all right. (laughs) Hitting the limit with Ruben. Okay, so we have a URL here, which is the dub video URL. Okay, so this is the URL itself. And then there's a little parameter, message equals high plus Shannon, percentage sign 21. Okay, The plus and the percentage size 21, that's just encoded URL, that's a space and that is i think an exclamation point so probably the exclamation point we can just remove it's not it's a little superfluous at this point so if i were to just remove this right here what i what i can get here is i get a url with the first name okay if i take that url and then i replace that with someone else's name ina then i have a url here with two that's the same video, but it, it's got two individuals names in it. Now, what happens when they click on that video is that this is our personalization text option, okay? What happens, what happens here is that the text appears right there before the video plays. So in this case, this is an autoplay video. So it just, they, you know, it was there for one or two seconds. Um, but if this is not an autoplay video, then that'll just permanently and persistently be there until they press the play button. So is this um, true personalization at scale? No, it's not. True personalization scale is is talking about the person, saying, right. how's your Rottweiler? <laughs> <laughs> but, <laughs> but we can't always do that because it's difficult and you know sometimes we just don't have the time. So this is our sort of workaround on getting some level of personalization Um, With the person's name and the URL, and then of course, you know, on the video page, so that you can take the same video and then send that to a large group of people. So I hope that I hope that made sense.
1: And I hope you have that somewhere in your training videos in dub.
0: No, that (laughs) I've never, I've never, (laughs) I've never shared that trick with someone. Um, But the good news is that in the waterfall method, I just recorded that. So what I'm going to do is I'm just going to make a quick little note so that that little cut of this video then gets chopped out, put onto our YouTube support channel, put onto an article on Intercom, which is our support channel, so that when someone types in personalization URL or text or LinkedIn, it's going to be one of the articles that shows up. So eventually it will be. So this is is actually one of our strategies on how we mine support content. Which is why I'm psyched to do these, and you know we don't charge for these. It's because you know we can selfishly and selflessly mine content to share with other people. But thank you for saying that, and I will make sure that it does get there.
1: Yes, because I think that's great. I like that workaround.
0: Yeah, cool. So that's all I got. We're at the the top of the hour here. Uh, that's all I got for you. But you know, I, thank you for a lot of the insight that you provided. It's it's been really beneficial, and I, I might go back and listen to this first. 20 minutes of this. (laughs) Make sure sure I'm optimized.
1: Well, great. Well, um, oh, also we didn't put the link in there. I have a best-selling book out on Amazon. Oh,
0: nice. Very cool. Called
1: called LinkedIn Publishing to Profits. Came out two years ago. Uh, It's a little out of date because it has to do with publishing articles and posting the news feed. But definitely the first chapter is all about uh, profile optimization. And before you do anything in LinkedIn, your profile should be... Um, up to speed, up to par, should be client focused.
0: Got it. And one of the things that I would love to receive from you is a little bit of an analysis on my LinkedIn profile. <laughs> okay. I, I think it's okay, but I'd love to get an expert's perspective on it. And-
1: uh, I'm very detailed. We have, well, what was a 23 point checklist, I'd scale them either be 24 or 25 because LinkedIn um, moved the rich media out of the about section and created its own featured new section called featured and there's some cool things in there that you can actually do. So very cool. I have to update that list, but I'm going to, I'll make a note. I'll definitely. Yeah.
0: Uh, you know what? I will barter a, uh, dub, uh, consultation to your video, the video that you're going to create that evergreen asset, uh, in exchange for a awesome checklist. Thank you so much for your time, Tracy. You. Appreciate you.
1: Thank you so very much, Ruben.
0: Stay safe. Bye-bye now.
1: All right. Bye-bye.